I want to see and talk to people. I want to share ideas. I want to learn. I want the things that come with a conference. But in the reality that we may not be able to do it in the same ways we have in the past. So we thought up uh, this idea. So when I say we, me and my business partners, my wife came up with this idea. Hey, why don't we, if we can't meet in big clusters of people and people can't travel to us, we can't fly. Why don't we go to the people? And we went through various variations, you know, um, buying a truck or buying an SUV and driving. And then eventually we settled on, hey, we're going to get an RV and we're going to go around the U.S. and talk to our friends and our vendor customers and other smart startups around what they're doing. What a great idea. Hey, everyone. I'm Jeff Deverter, your host here at Cloud Talk. Well, today you're going to get to hear from Keith Townsend, who runs a business called The CTO Advisor. Well, now, while we cover a lot of ground in this chat, one of the main points of the conversation is where we discuss the fact that right now, in June of 2021, Keith and his wife, his business partner, have embarked on a three-month road trip where they're bringing the CTO advisor to their customers, their partners, well, and anyone who wants to hear their message. And it all starts this week on Clown Talk. The line between application and infrastructure is virtually invisible in these modern apps. The kind of thing that a global computing fabric with immense resilience and scale can deliver without even breaking a sweat. That's really what the promise of the cloud's always been. It's all focused on the business objectives. That's where we craft the plan. In the tech world, we like to celebrate the lone genius, but I'm just going to tell you right now, they're just the convenient face as founders to focus on. Welcome to Cloud Talk. Here's your host, Jeff Deverter. So uh, one of my favorite, the, there's a uh, CEO of a certain tech company. Whenever he see, sees me, he uh, points at me and says, hey, my Twitter friend or a.k.a. the CTO advisor. And um, I am the CTO advisor. Uh, I am the principal of the CTO advisor, LLC. We do advisory, both advisory work and uh, custom content for some of the larger vendors in the IT space. So the Intel's, Dell Technologies and. HPEs of the world. But uh, we started out uh, as uh, many of these listeners cutting our teeth in enterprise IT, specifically in that enterprise IT space. I have a 20 plus year career of uh, figuring out which cable goes where. (laughs) Which is an important thing to know when trying to get data from point A to point B. What was your what was your first job in IT? My first job in IT was overnight support for a futures commodity data feed. So, you know, today, you know, getting real time uh, commodities data was is actually really pretty trivial. You subscribe to a service and you get it over the Internet back then. You know, we had to hack things like uh, over the air antenna third band, third party bandwidth on WGN and have special cards and 486 or yeah, at the time, 46 machines. So I supported a bunch of professional traders that used our software to receive uh, real-time commodities software over the third shift. So it was a really interesting uh, thing. I think I learned my first uh, real set of communication skills. I supported uh, some 
traders and international traders. So overseas, the third shift here in the U.S. is first shift somewhere else. That's right. And I had to remember explaining to someone what a tilde was. <laughs> very interesting. That is a, uh, that is one that I, th- I wonder if Google Translate does very well with. And well, I guess Google Translate didn't exist at the time either. No. Well, interesting first job. I was going to say, who is trading in the middle of the night? And then realized, of course, you must be supporting other countries along the way. Yes. Well, and then, you know, in Seinfeld speak, yada, yada, yada. Now you're the CTO advisor. You know, what, what, uh, you know, what's the day in the life? Tell us about some of these projects. When you talk about supporting and some of your customers being HPE and Intel and the like, you know, we we talked about this a bit and it's fascinating. You know, what's some of the stuff you're working on? So, you know, one of the things that uh, that's near and dear to your daytime employer, Rackspace, is hybrid infrastructure Mm -hmm. or hybrid cloud or whatever you want to call it, hybrid IT, combining what's public cloud and what we have done traditionally over the past 30, 40 years in enterprise IT. None of that stuff is going away. I just read a study that said 70% of the Fortune 500s uh, still have IBM. Z mainframes running mission critical uh, applications. So none of this stuff is going away, but we have to integrate it with the public cloud. So a lot of our content revolves around validating these claims, you know, uh, more recent, most recently HPE or Dell Technologies. We released a report talking about their claims around VxRail. We took yeah. their VxRail system, put it into our data center and kind of combined the best of both, both worlds, on-premises, traditional VMware systems and off-prem data sets, et cetera, and just showed people how this stuff works in the real world. We built a data center specifically, the CTO Advisor hybrid infrastructure, specifically to showcase what's possible around hybrid infrastructure. And what were some of the, the lessons learned? What, what was the high point and the low point of that, that experience? Well, you know what? The, the, I think the best one to talk about is kind of when we took all of the VMware cloud solutions yeah. and brought them into our hybrid infrastructure. We had a VMware cloud vSphere 6.7 uh, deployment and then various versions of vSphere across all the public cloud providers. Okay. And I think one of the interesting things from a marketing claim, VMware says, hey, you know what? It's just like using VMware on-prem. And a lot of that is true, but the nuance that's missing in a lot of the marketing claims is when you go to expose a public IP address to your uh, web portal in AWS and VMC on AWS, it's very different than when you go to do that in Oracle Cloud Solution or Mm -hmm. Azure Solution. So while, yes, it's VMware under the hood across the board, anytime you need to touch Anytime the hybrid, the traditional data center, a.k.a. VMware, needs to touch the public cloud, a.k.a. a uh, public IP address, that experience was different across all three or four cloud providers. And that was kind of a nuance that you you don't get when you just read the marketing. Yeah, you don't see that in the marketing literature. It's really interesting. We've we've done a bunch of research on that here at Rackspace lately, and we'll support running VMware wherever a customer wants to run it. We've been been partners with them since 2005, 2008, somewhere around there, a long time. And, uh, and, And while... And while those the, the hyperscalers can run it, they weren't necessarily designed to run it. So it's that completeness of experience that you, you're calling out that, that we've seen customers having 
I don't want to say challenges. It's just they didn't expect it going in. Yeah, the um, yeah, and it still to this day surprises me how many customers who take who interpret. I mean, VMware doesn't say this, but you interpret it this way: HCX to extend your private data center into the public cloud to do the migration. VMware said makes that statement. But most customers that I've talked to, and this is where, you know, kind of the advisory and the content thing mates together. Most customers that I talked to kind of leave that in place. And it wasn't designed to leave in place. It wasn't a permanent solution. Yeah. And you run into all the associated problems with leaving a temporary solution, a migration to like HCX in place for steady state operations. So yes, the public cloud wasn't designed to do these things. The And we all have to live through it because we have to, uh, I, I don't know if I have a customer, talk to a customer that doesn't have AWS, even the ones even the ones who say they don't have AWS right. have AWS. They, ju- they just haven't looked at their, you know, the, Oh, no, they look at it. They've just been, you know, I, I don't want to say dishonest, but they're not being uh, forthright. They're, <laughs> you know, they may not have it for some production stuff, but, but they, it's there. Have, yeah. they have an AWS account. Absolutely. So, um, but that kind of starts to then translate as you've been doing this work. You know, what, what caught my eye to the, the, uh, what you're doing with CTO Advisor is the roadshow. So, so tell me a little bit about that. How did that come about? What is it? How are you doing it? There's some fun logistics here. Yeah. So back in April of 2020, which seems like five years ago, we're in April, I mean, we're in May of 2021. uh, We were reacting to the fact that we couldn't meet in person. Uh, We quickly, within a six week period, put together a, virtual conference. It was well attended for the size of company that we are about 500 or so attendees, five to 700 attendees, nice size. And uh, it was picked up by USA Today that said, hey, you know what? This is the future of virtual conferences. And I came, I walked away with a taste in my mouth like, wow, that was nothing like a real conference. Yeah. I never want to do that again. (laughs) But I want to see and talk to people. I want to share ideas. I want to learn. I want the things that come with a conference, but in the reality that we may not be able to do it in the same ways we have in the past. We need to be safe about it. So we thought up uh, this idea. So when I say we, me and my business partners, my wife, primarily uh, 50% of the company, Mm -hmm. came up with this idea. Hey, why don't we, if we can't meet in big clusters of people and people can't travel to us, we can't fly why don't we go to the people? Mm. And we went through various variations, you know, um, buying a truck or buying an SUV and driving. And then eventually we settled on, hey, we're going to get an RV and we're going to go around the U.S. and talk to our friends and our and our uh, vendor customers and other smart startups around what they're doing. I love that. I love that. And uh, so, so tell us about the rig. I'm a gear guy. What, what did you end up buying? <laughs> yeah, you, you gotta. So I got pushed on this a lot because yeah. I wanted to go out and just get, if you're not familiar with RVs, quick lesson. Yep. Class A is that big bus thing that you see uh, in uh, on the roads, the big coat motor home right. that look like a coach Think bus. Think public bus, but with a bed. Exactly. Class B, think of your... Uh, 
uh, Sprinter vans, your mm-hmm. uh, Dodge vans, your uh, converted into a RV. Uh, you might see the hashtag on the social media's van life. Yeah. Pretty straightforward. Class C is a bigger chassis built on the Econo van type setup and uh, in between a small class B and a big class A. And then you have travel trailers. We'll just shortcut the travel trailers. I wanted the class C because you know what? You could drive it, park it, et cetera. It was very functional. I'm a IT engineer by trade. So in my mind, it fit and hit all the requirements. Yeah. And then I um, uh, met my wife, who's a much better marketer with this idea. And she said we needed to get a Airstream, specifically a flying cloud because. Because it's cloud. Because it's cloud. Uh, and it's the edge. Flying cloud meets the edge. That's right. And uh, with that, we needed to have a truck to pull it. I went down this mad rabbit hole of what size truck I needed to buy. So 27 foot trailer is just on the cusp of where you move move from a full size truck like an F-150, uh, Chevy, Chevy Silverado 1500, GMC, a Ram uh, 1500, typical big truck you see on the street, all the way up to what's called a three quarter ton truck. F two fifty, super duty and bigger, yeah, twenty five hundred Ram, etc. And we settled on that big Ford F two fifty, biggest machine I've ever driven in my life so beyond fun. a movie van. Oh, it's incredibly fun. Well, I just a year ago I bought a a Ram fifteen hundred, which I felt like this is a big vehicle. I can imagine the, the twenty five hundred. You know what? It's, it's weird rolling up to someone in a Ram fifteen hundred and looking Chevy down F-150 on them fifty and look down at them and say, ha, 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 "Little, look at that little cute truck." In the cute, in the cute, <laughs> in the cute. That's right. All right, so so we've got a, an F two fifty, a twenty seven foot flying cloud, um, and, and we've got a mutual acquaintance as well, Jeremiah Yang, who uh, you know he does his his life out of that. Did I think you mentioned he had a little influence in your 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 trailer of choice? Oh yeah, he was. Uh, from the very beginning, he was like, dude, you have to do the Airstream. And here's the practical of it. And, th- and this is a practical IT les- lesson that I've learned throughout my career. Uh, perception is reality Yeah. in enterprise IT. You can't go to a stakeholder and prove that you are meeting SLAs and therefore they should be happy. If they're not intuitively happy, then that perception is reality yes. and whatever project you're running just won't be successful. When, whether or not you meet the SLAs or not, perception is reality. And when people see an Airstream, they react just at this emotional level. We, you, never, you may never even known, like if I told you what a, if I named like the Airstream and say I'm dri- driving the Airstream, it's not until you see a picture of it and you're like, oh, Oh yeah, the, oh, the, old, yeah. the old school trailer that that's kind of Americana. When I think about the height of RVing, I think of an Airstream. Yeah, you don't think of a Class C. You don't think of any of those other tra- uh, motorhomes I talked about. You think of a Airstream. That's right. That's right. Okay, so so you guys are are, are getting ready to head out. Yes, uh, we're a little bit uh, over a week from this recording, so we're going to. 
The schedule takes us from June 1st, uh, starting out in Chicago, moving to Cleveland, up that northern route, uh, all the way up to Boston, down to the uh, East Coast, D.C., Tampa for some vacation, across the southern United States uh, to all the way to L.A., up north to the north, Pacific Northwest, so Portland and uh, then across the the Great Plains at the top of the uh, U.S. all the way to Colorado and then home. So June wow. 1st through September 3rd. That is over three incredible. Months. And coming through Texas, I think I'm going to try to find you in Austin when you're there. Uh, uh, both Houston and Austin is pretty funny. The uh, Texans are very competitive uh, and they plus they like big trucks. I just saw yeah, you'll, that. You'll be right at home. Yeah, one quarter of all the trucks in the U.S. are sold right there in Texas. I didn't realize and, that. And uh, when I mentioned that I would be in Houston, a bunch of my Dallas followers were like, ah, Houston is horrible in July. Come to Dallas. Like, it's Houston no better. It's no better. It's just drier and hotter. Yeah. Sorry, Dallas. It's just, it's miserable everywhere. But at least you won't have the humidity. Um, well, so so who are you, who are you wanting to meet? Uh, obviously, you want to, you got some followers to find. But what what are the types of companies you're you're hoping to or that you scheduled to spend time with? So I'm talking to a, a range of companies. I'll t- I'll talk to uh, our friends at NetApp are uh, planning to sponsor uh, the uh, some of the road show as well as Faction Inc. who does uh, multi cloud storage. Uh, our traditional friends HPE. This will be doing HPE. Um, discover part of it so we're going to do a road we're going to do a watch party ah. in dc while we're there so if you're listening and you're in dc and you want to come to the cto advisor hp discover road show keith at the cto advisor.com email me and you're more than welcome to uh join us if we have the space uh so uh, with that open invitation it's kind of like what well, then we expect to talk to end users people who are in their day-to-day how did they survive the pandemic right uh both per- personally and professionally and then of course uh my analyst peers so you know i'll meet with the uh, uh i'll meet with jeremiah mm-hmm. when i'm out uh west maybe we'll Maybe I can squeeze my airstream next to his, and we'll do. That would be a great photo op. That would that would that would be pretty cool. You can uh, you can tie the studios together with an Ethernet. None of this wireless. There stuff. you go. That's right. That's right. So um, fascinating. Uh, I love that um, you're just you're taking it out to meet the people. Since since you know it's hard to to do that these days. I mean, conferences are starting to wake up a little bit. You hear about. Some of them uh, beginning to occur. I was talking to some analysts a week or two ago, and they're starting to get invitations to live events again. And I don't know, maybe next year it'll be more normal for us. Yeah, and I'm I'm hoping that uh, this is not just a one year thing. Um, we are. I think you mentioned uh, conferences that are coming up. I'm almost certain the AWS reInvent is going to be a thing this year. Yeah. Not as big, but still a thing. So we're thinking about pulling the Airstream to reinvent and making a road trip out of that and uh, making this kind of a permanent feature of the CTO advisor experience over the next few years of bringing the, the road show to conferences via the, the road, via the, uh, the, the, the rig has its official name. It's the CTO advisor flying cloud. Uh, maybe uh, I was going to say maybe not the most original, but definitely the most appropriate. 
You know what? The great thing is that most people don't know name names of the uh, Airstream products. They're yes. like, you know, the Globetrotter and a bunch of other stuff. Yeah. Uh, the wife has a, a, again, she's pushing the envelope on these things. Melissa wants us to, uh, for the next conference season, to uh, talk about edge to cloud. So as we target one of the cloud uh, conferences that we're building kind of this edge system into the Airstream. I love that. Uh, as, as we make stops. And then as when we get to the conference, uh, hopefully someone sponsors to pull the Airstream onto the conference floor and we plug in the last device into our edge the cloud thing and activate the, you know, flip the switch on, That's on that. the, the thing. So it's, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's going to be, I think the name will be a little bit more, even more appropriate yep. as we mature the idea. I agreed. And here's, here's a catchphrase for you to go after the name, bringing the cloud to you. There you bringing go. The cloud to bringing you. the flying cloud the to you. That, so that the, will, uh, uh, that, it's, it's part of their webatron now. I'll, I'll make sure to use it. There you go. So, um, <sighs> I love this whole thought around edge. And of course there's opportunities with the cloud to, with, with the flying cloud to, to do that. I mean, throw a few IOT. In fact, here's what I'm going to do. Rackspace has a uh, IOT starter kit and that we use with our customers. And it's how we go through and help, help them kind of envision what IOT could do in their organization. And literally it's a breadboard. It's stamped with our stuff. It's got all of the sensors. So, uh, so let's send one of those to you to integrate into the flying cloud to capture speed and distance and all of those things. And you can be an active edge device. We, we love, we love these little toys. One will come your way. So, but let's talk about edge. You know, it's one of those things that I found it to be a little polarizing because like a lot of, um, like a lot of it terms, the marketers got all over edge, I think a little bit too quickly. Uh, and maybe That's a little good. got us out over our skis a little. And so, and so your hardcore techs sometimes are, are, you know, edge is not a thing and there's no business case for it. Whereas there's real solutions going into place. You go to any McDonald's and look at the bubble on the backside of the wall on the back of the thing, and that's their data center. But uh, what are your thoughts on edge use cases? Where is it making a difference today? So I follow the SAP space mm-hmm. a lot. I'm a former SAP infrastructure architect and, it's really easy to connect the dots from the edge to enterprise IT in general. One of the things that I'm super excited about is when I see a John Deere tractor with all of this edge technology. There's right. a video of you uh, uh, Google, like not your father's tractor or something like that on YouTube. You'll see a picture of a young lady who has an iPad. She is, she's in the cockpit of a John Deere and it's showing where to plant the food she's using, the connection from the iPad to the public cloud to use a service that does this. This is practical, like edge technology that's helping um, farmers be more efficient with the use of land so that they can feed us. So while there's, great example. you know, while there's, you know, these crazy examples of self-driving cars and all this futuristic stuff where the edge is actually making a difference is in farming and helping to analyze how we best grow crops. Amazing technologies. Yeah, those uh, those tractors are also, they're monitoring all the internal systems. They're talking back to to deer, uh, you know, and, and, you know, the, the, the farmer gets an email or a text saying, hey, the, your machine, uh, this such and such machine's running hot. This thing's not working right. Pick a day that would be best for our technician to come out and fix that for you before it goes bad. 
Yeah, and there's a lot of controversy around right to repair and all yes. of that in there. But if you think about just using all these separate technologies like GPS and uh, analog uh, uh, analog technologies around growing stuff. I mean, growing stuff isn't ultimately digital. It is a very analog. It is as thing. analog as you can get. It's as analog as you can get. So it's, it's amazing tech, uh, combinations of technologies. Then if you think about biotech and biopharma and doing uh, uh, genome processing, collecting data at the edge, you, the, all of these terabytes of data that we collect at the edge from DNA se- sequencing, that stuff can't easily get uploaded into AWS to be consumed. You have to analyze that data in place. Yeah. So you think about drug discovery, being able to analyze data sets, find anomalies or the interesting things, upload that stuff to the cloud so that we have a massive sample size that's diverse in the size in, in the from uh, uh, just a, a demographic perspective. Right. Again, while I appreciate I'm a tech and I appreciate that the marketing term, the edge is kind of convoluted because I said, wait, can I just take my Tandy X86 from 1987, plug that into a SCADA device on the manufacturing floor? Isn't that the edge? Come on, guys. Ha, ha, ha on the edge term. Yeah. Yeah. It, um, it's, a, it's like a lot of good marketing buzzwords. It has unfortunately diluted it, but there are very real world examples of it today and, uh, and ones that are coming. Um, there's some, some interesting transformative things um, coming down the road. But another thing I think to, to visit about for a little bit, Keith, would be, you know, through, through COVID and the amount of digital transformation that occurred, that companies were literally forced into, uh, through that process, it changed the way that we work. It changed the way that we interface with people. Now you're you're going to go get analog and go get in front of people's faces. But but as you look back on it and there, and and the innovations that have occurred, let's say in the past eighteen months, uh, eighteen months, you know what's sticking out to you? What do you think actually? What sticks over time? And and uh, and what are some of your thoughts there? So I'm biased. I'm a hybrid infrastructure person. Yeah. But let's talk about some practicals. At the beginning of the pandemic, I actually had clients take, had their employees take their desktops, not yeah. their laptops, their desktops, offer their desk and bring them home. This was at the onset. I'm like, man, this is a tough challenge. How do you, how do you scale? And not just from a technology perspective, but from an operations and, um, and training perspective of people process and technology. How do you scale remote access? Yeah. The, we wrote, we partnered with Intel and Oracle and we wrote a, some research around how you take your VDI instances, move it up to the public cloud, whether that's a VMware cloud solution or a cloud hosted VDI solution. And you expand your VDI presence without having to have to wait for circuits to mm. be delivered, equipment to be uh, provisioned and set up, et cetera. How do you Take your existing operations and scale that. Use that to the advantage of the cloud. Uh, what we we call this uh, cloud bursting back in the day, where yeah. we, you know the idea of uh, using the public cloud to expand on-premises resources never really took off. The pandemic 
showed us a way that we needed to figure it out. And we did. I think that sticks because we don't know what the future is going to hold. We don't know if we're going to need the 10,000 seat capacity that we expanded out to, or we need to go back to a thousand seats that we were pre-pandemic, or if we're going to end up somewhere between the five to 7,000 seats, we need that flexibility. And I think that that muscle memory that we learned over the past year is going to stick with us on how do we scale our hybrid infrastructure. Right. That's really interesting. And, um, you know, what it's also done is, is companies have realized that, that their employee base can work in really anywhere. We, we want to say work from home, but we, we've proven we can work from anywhere and kind of at any time. And I know for us at Rackspace, we've been, uh, I think, relatively forward thinking in that regard. So for, for our plan is to stay um, say remote work through the end of the year. And after that to be flexible work, meaning flexible where and flexible when very much outcomes driven. And that's a lesson that I don't know that if we would have learned as quickly as we learned it. And I think that there's company after company that because of, of the situation of everybody being remote has learned an aspect of that as well. Well, we have to learn it. Uh, when, the the I tried to give this example in another podcast and they were like, ah, you know what, that's a little too playful. But as I thought about this, this is actually a perfect example. My 13-year-old granddaughter uh was working from their airstream and she was working from the back seat. She was attending school from the back seat of the F-250. She fully expects this when she hits the workforce in mm. five years, five, 10 years from now. Like, wait, I, I I spent the past five, 10 years learning remotely. Why is it that I, I'm not working? I can't work remotely? that what way. You, yeah. What do you mean? I, there, there's this symmetric relationship with work and I have to be in the office with butts and seed, et cetera. That's not how I was trained to learn and produce uh, outcomes. Yeah. I'm used to it. So the, the, the next, the next phase of workforce definitely is going to demand it. They are. So we better figure it out now. And so let's talk security with the amount of, of transformation that's occurred and the amount of data that's that's been thrown up into the cloud. You know, we're seeing example after example, uh, through whether it's ransomware or whatnot, that has uh, that has caused challenges uh, on the security front. What are your what are your thoughts there on how, how either companies are dealing with that or should be dealing with that or just your opinions? People process technology. Uh, you know, we, I led a project about 10 years ago where we, uh, implemented end user, uh, uh, endpoint security and we required encryption on every removable device. Seems like perfect, reasonable security patrol, uh, controls. If I put a USB device into a system, especially this is for the U S government, that data should be encrypted because of that thumb drive is lost sensitive data comes with it yeah well you know when the director of this three-letter organization marches up to the white house puts in his thumb drive and can't present to the executive staff because he can't remember the password to the thumb drive and then demands that we roll back that change people and process meets technology. Yeah. So while we can roll out all the fancy technologies we want, this is ultimately an issue of training and culture. 
uh, around making sure users are security minded. I yeah. can't just give my password and my two th- factor authentication device to someone. I have to figure out how to share data in a secure manner. Uh, when I go to email, it starts with our personal life. When I'm applying for a mortgage application, no, I will not email you my social security number. You have to use the secure system. I'm sure the bank has. Right. All right. Some great advice and uh, and a and a great mission and uh, coming out. So this episode will go live in June, probably a week or two after you hit the road. So uh, where can people keep up with uh, updates of the great CTO Advisor Roadshow? Well, you, we're la- we're launching a landing pa- landing page. I would like to say any day now, but if you're listening to this a couple of weeks into June, it probably will be any day now. So, thectoadvisor.com is the web page. You can find ultimately everything that we've done with Intel and the data center pro- product uh, solutions and and testing on under the projects tab. And I'm sure we'll have under that projects tab, we'll have something for the road trip. If you want something real time. Follow me on Twitter at CTO Advisor. I am verbose on Twitter. I'm sure we'll tweet out pictures of the rig and places that we visited, et cetera. Fantastic. And then, of course, there's always LinkedIn where I found you. And there's always LinkedIn where you find a little bit more finished version of the stuff that we do. Not as frequent as far as uh, updates on the road trip. Maybe, maybe not. We'll see. But definitely connect with me on LinkedIn. This has been Cloud Talk. You can find Cloud Talk wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And be sure to check out more content from Rackspace Solve at solve.rackspace.com. Well, a big thanks to Keith for joining me in the virtual studios in advance of the big road trip. See, we recorded this episode in May, so we're well underway at this point. And I'd encourage all of you to track their progress over at thectoadvisor.com and follow them, of course, on Twitter and LinkedIn at thectoadvisor. I continued big thanks, of course, to Dell Technologies for their continued support of our Solve program here at Rackspace. As I've mentioned before, Solve is our platform for our thought leadership. When you go to rackspace.com solve, it's filled with some amazing articles that we're posting on a weekly basis coming straight out of the office of the CTO. Now, I mentioned last week about our live virtual conference coming on August 3rd and 4th. Now, the 3rd is a pre-day. It's a pre-day with some excellent classes for you to take to help hone your technical acumen. And on the 4th, well, that's a multi-tracked conference event geared towards solving real-world challenges today through the use of technology. Now, registration is now open. Just head over to rackspace.com slash solve and look for the registration link. Well, thanks for listening in today. I sincerely appreciate you taking the time. Now, if you enjoy this podcast, consider sharing it with a friend or two, or maybe even giving us one of those five-star reviews right there in the podcast app. They make a huge difference. All right, until next time. I'm Jeff Deverter for Clown Talk.